The Wolf and Bull podcast was prepared, conducted, and hosted by the Wolf and Bull team in their personal capacity. This podcast is for expressive listening entertainment, and any views, ideas, or opinions may or may not extend past the boundaries of this podcast. Conversations or specific comments on behalf of the hosts and guests are for entertainment purposes only. Due to language and potentially offensive topics, listener discretion is advised. Hey everyone, welcome to the pilot episode of The Wolf and Bull. This is The Wolf speaking, dropping in in post-production to provide you with some content on this episode. Bull and I decided to record one of our many conversations about the current social atmosphere, so there's not much of a rigid topic. So excited for you to listen in on what we'll be discussing, and we can't wait to provide you with more content. If you like what you hear, please leave a like, give us a follow, and look forward to more from The Wolf and Bull. You know, ultimately, you know, it's very rare that you can get two incredible animals such as this in the same place at the same time. Yeah, that's because true. The wolf is kind of typically either snoozing or By trying itself. to act like it's part of a pack of some kind. Or maybe it's dancing around some animals trying to look to, to peel off the weakest, sickest of the herd so they can have a, you know some kind of animal snackage. while the bull of course stands majestic in his field Uh, looking out over his territory analyzing moving his horns from side to side just in warning of anybody that would attempt so all you're doing so what you're basically saying is i spend my time laying around (laughs) (laughs) and hunting animals lesser than me and you spend your time standing on a Hilltop. Uh, a hilltop, just <laughs> looking in every direction. No, uh, I, I stand up on, on that top of the hilltop, but surrounding me uh, is uh-huh. a female. Or is a, is a female. <laughs> it's a female. It's a field. Are female bulls? <laughs> <laughs> no, a field of cows. Yeah, yeah. Just waiting. You, you, know, you know what's interesting? Which one I'm going to pay attention to? That's 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 interesting. Um, you know what is interesting on that note is that. Uh, I got sent something today um, from the person that got off the phone a little bit ago about how like questioning from a social media because all of the enlightened questions and commentary comes from that neck of the woods these days. Yeah. Wondering why all animals um, have female names as opposed to like male names. So like cows, for example, have female names and then like bulls and like getting mad about the patriarchy, a patriarch, pat patriarchy associated with that and it's it's hilarious to me because i see it and this you can commentate on this i see this as like a social sign of respect through time right like like people would name things um at least in my understanding old bessie burned down chicago you know sure Uh, i actually don't know that but you're welcome to tell the story it was a cow identifying at least as bessie okay well well, here we are demonetized (laughs) and it's only been like five minutes or eight minutes eight minutes in total you got to be monetized before you can be demonetized yeah no (laughs) not true um but yeah i think that's just an interesting interesting point is i feel like people have really spent a lot of time um with, I guess, all of the additional 
free time they've been given uh, in part by the powers that be um, just complaining about nothing. Like, why would you get mad about naming something a female name over a male name, right? You know, it, it's funny that you bring this up, and it's in the context of animals, but, you know, one of the the overriding challenges that I see in the communication process today, especially online like this, and it's one of the reasons I think a podcast like this could become uh, an important thing, not not only for internal growth but you know growth of people that decide to listen in on this this mm-hmm. podcast and that's because people tend to grab a hold of things so emotionally they get tied to things without the logic or reason behind them and from small things to large things it could be a number of things but just what you're talking about is a great example of it i mean who in their right mind if they thought about it for more than five seconds the logic of what they're talking about would put any import into worrying about the historical social construct that developed into naming cows female names and bulls. I mean, it's, yeah. it's nonsense. Well, yeah. I think the interesting thing is it's such a, at least from my perspective, and obviously I've, I've lived such a long time, I've gone through so many hardships. And I, I, I yeah, my, Silver wolf. yeah, my future, 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 future grandchildren will sing the songs of my hardships of how I had to stay home for an will entire they year. The songs or will they sing the songs? They'll probably mumble the songs. <laughs> with, or they'll with where, sing them to you well, as your mom. Well, we're, well, no, I'll be long gone. I'll be in. I'll be in the ground or uh, tossed to the wind, as some no, people. By the time you reach that age, you'll be pickled in a jar. Somewhere. Oh, that's nasty. And you'll have been downloaded onto something. I don't think. Honestly, okay. So here's an interesting thing. I yeah. have very little faith that we will make it to that point before some. Um, cataclysm yeah not not necessarily cataclysm i would say more because because it was that book that i was talking to you about that fourth turning book mm-hmm. um I read that yet i need to, I need to yeah and and I, it's it's what's interesting about it and i'm kind of i've kind of touched on it along with the uh enlightenment now book that i currently have on my on my desk by stephen pinker if you if you want a good book to read that's a really good positive affirmation of kind of where humanity is um if you need to raise your chair by the way this side it's got back up here's the thing i learned long a time ago i was there (laughs) Um, i was there when they invented chairs yeah i've (laughs) this the original sketch you should just sit on boulders Um, but, uh, what's interesting about that book and this is from what I understand about it and I've briefly paged through it. So this is by no means a scholarly analysis, but is this the notes version. Yeah, this is the, yeah, yeah. The notes, which is the hyper condensed version of spark notes in which it's just you talking out of your ass. Um, but, uh, it's, um, you know, what's interesting about it is they basically say that every hundred or 30 so years, there's a point in time in history in which people kind of as a culture end up not liking each other a lot um and there's obviously 130 years or 130 days 130 years <laughs> uh, 130 days these days but 130 years on average and they're saying and what the book is basically saying is and it was written in, i think it's 90 92 or, or yeah 92 and they predicted the 2008 stock market crash um they predicted the middle eastern crisis when it comes to iraq 
not the Iraq war, the second one, um, they uh, predicted the uh, inflation of the dollar around the 2008-2012 stock market crash. Now, obviously, it's all... This is where these kind of things lose me. Well, here's the thing. What's interesting is the book itself, um, and and I'd love to actually go get it and read the premise behind it, because the book itself is is written by some relatively credible people. Well, you know, maybe that's Um, one of the things we should do with a podcast like this. Sure have a book review from time to time yeah but no go ahead go well well I, I guess my i guess my point is is that i feel like before we get to the point of downloading ourselves as that what was that show on amazon carbon, uh, no well that too but carbon right? well it was that one oh, and no, then the, the upload, upload upload great show great show yeah, really good show actually um but i think before we get there i think there's going to be maybe not a um an extinction situation, but definitely a situation in which people are going to be cho- like pressured to evaluate what they understand to be um, existence. See, I, I believe that it's not an either-or situation. I believe that it's more of a divergent one. Sure. And in terms of the context of 130 years or so, I, I think that's an interesting premise, but I, I think it would need additional analysis mm-hmm. because of the speed of life that occurs now, the speed of change that occurs since the information um, revolution has yeah. occurred. But having said that, I think that, that you know, oftentimes I look at these things and I go, oh gosh, are we going to get technologically savvy enough to do some of these unbelievable things we think about, or are we going to bomb ourselves back into the Stone Age? You know, that, that's been a common theme for probably 50, 60, 70 years, yeah. but... I'm more and more these days. I believe more of it's it's more of a divergent situation where you have those that have and those that have not, mm-hmm. or those that think a certain way and those that think a different way, mm-hmm. start to diverge in what they want to become. And those that want to, what was that movie we were talking about the other day or earlier today? Actually, Elysium. Elysium. <clears throat> Matt Damon. Matt Damon. Yes. Matt Damon. <laughs> Matt Damon. You didn't know which you wanted to be. He was yeah. on the ground. He's in the which, air. Which, by, by the way, what, why? For anyone who's seen that, the, the question I had is why was everyone always dirty? You notice that in like future movies, well, if like you're gonna have a dystopian feel, you got to get some grit. Yeah, but but and this is and I'll let you I'll, I'll let you finish your thought in a second. But this is something that this book, the Enlightenment, now is, is that was really going over thoroughly is the the increase over the last hundred or fifty two hundred years in in wealth. Um, and the disparity that people see due to availability bias, right? So if you're in the United States and you look at Africa, that is your, you know, your bias is, oh, wow, those people there, they don't have a lot of stuff while ignoring some of the major cities in Africa or some of the major cities in China that are just vastly wealthy and full of millions and millions of people. And uh, my question back to Elysium is like, why, why is it people always dirty? You'd figure that in maybe a hundred years, weed through you know through capitalism or through whatever you know system that allows us to advance would find ways to be cleaner than we are now well the likelihood is that's the case mm-hmm. i mean you know a lot of times artists try to take that license if you will to try to to create opposing views of things and they have to make something pristine and and very secular and high above in the sky and this and that. that and then you have then you have the other that's you're still a grounder. You're you down you, on the you think that like uh, <clears throat> derives from romanticism? Because I think we're kind of in a, a re-emergence no, of the romanticism I, age. I think it arrives from the fact that within a two-hour, two-and-a-half-hour construct, you have to get a point across. And the only way you do that 
is through either an unbelievably well-told story, mm -hmm. which doesn't happen that much anymore these yep. days, or it happens, or, or you have to create that through visual uh, aspects. Mm -hmm. And if you want to show divergent culture, you can't show a leave it to beaver, clean society on the ground with the people that have decided to take that direction, as is my inference earlier. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. And a, you know, the people in the sky are all you know, dirty hobos, right? <laughs> you know, you, you can't do that. It would be a fun thing to do, but it, and who knows what's possible, but that that's kind of my point. If you think about what you're talking about in the book, and I haven't read it, but we, we both live here in Southern California. And if you went down to Huntington Beach in the old parts of the city or Long Beach, something like that, stay in the, in the decent side of those, mm -hmm. those places, you will see row after row, neighborhood after neighborhood of these tiny little bungalows sure. that used to be the, the end all for people to come to the golden state to live in the sunshine under palm trees and live in this tiny little thing with two tiny bedrooms mm -hmm. in a that was considered upper middle class. Yeah. You live in that now, even in California, and you're not considered that anymore. Well, it's broadened out. But my, my point is, just to finish that thought, yeah, is yeah. that every one of those, if they're not too close to the beach, and because too close to the beach, you don't need air conditioning, but every, <laughs> every one of those little bungalows in Southern California, they have air conditioning, mm -hmm. central heating, they've got microwaves, everybody's got their cell phones, everybody's got enough food on their plate. Yeah. Matter of fact, food is probably crappy for you in today's society. So to your point about the book, because I think I get the feel for it, even though I haven't read it, is that they're saying there's a vast amount more, but it's all about... Um, how you're viewing yourself against yeah the the wealthy well what well, what I've always found and this is something the book talks about but I've always found this to be interesting coming from and you know you you and I are similar in the sense that we obviously did not come up from <laughs> silver spoons in our mouths um, so you know my my interpretation is I've always found it very odd that the poorest of our society are normally the people who are the most obese right and and I, I'm not saying that as a as a crack at anyone I'm just suggesting that. You know, you're talking about Orange County or Huntington Beach, and you've got these to little. Tell me to get in shape. <laughs> always back to the mid. <laughs> always go go back. It's it's. Hey, I'm attacking you. <laughs> I am not a well. I am an old bull, but I was going to say I'm not a fat old bull, but I'm feeling that. Well, right bulls, now, so. they're not fat. They're they're not. They're pure muscle. Mm -hmm. One hundred and eighty percent over traditional muscle averages is pure muscle. So I'm, what I would suggest is you probably need to lose <laughs> some muscle mass. Um, but I guess, I guess my point is, and this kind of goes back and ties into, uh, for me, in my generation specifics is that we really have this uh, hyper-focused attention on things that otherwise outside of our, our realm of experience and, you know, life experience and view, um, don't exist for other people. And what I mean by that is, you know, you can sit in a home like we are right now and talk on X amount of dollars worth mm -hmm. of recording equipment, work a relatively upper middle class job, live comfortably, have multiple TVs or gaming systems within your house, have a roof over your head, um, have access to clean running water, a you know, in some instances, a couple thousand dollar phone. And in this country, because the wage gap and disparity in this country has increased, that is not, that's not that there's no argument that it hasn't there. It has increased, but, and I, obviously there's disputes against trickle down, down economics. The, the wealth in this country has increased with the minor few, but simultaneously because of that, 
more people can live in the small bungalows and have access to, you know, a, a two thousand once was a two thousand dollar curved screen TV mm-hmm. and is now four hundred dollars. And I, I really for my, for me, my question is like, why is there such a disconnect for people there? Because well, is it a disconnect or is it is there something absent today? Because I, I look at what you're talking about mm-hmm. and it resonates with me as well. Sure. And I, I come from a time, and, and you're right, I didn't have a silver spoon in my mouth. It was usually Well, something. you guys are just inventing the stone wheel, right? Yeah. Well, no, we carved wooden Oh, square stones. wheel. Yeah, sorry. The square. Yeah, the we thought the square worked. It was really hard to push things with square wheels, but, you know, we got our big bull muscles that way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but uh, you know, I, I think that the real question for me, when you when you ask about the things you're pointing out, is why why the complaint right we we all com- we all look at ourselves in our lives within the within the rose-colored glasses or whatever filter we put on how we view things right so it's a we're by nature comparative animals sure we compare ourselves to those that have a lot of wealth we compare ourselves that have as you talked about people in other countries that have very little wealth and we see those disparities and we ask these bigger questions as to why mm-hmm. and we get emotional and we get angry about it and, and we we can see evidence of that all around us especially with youth and youth has always been more emotionally charged to run out in in you know climb the palisades and block things off and yeah. lay down in front of stuff all that kind of stuff partly because there is a, a a growth that hasn't occurred in a chemical imbalance frankly with a lot of the but yeah. that's that's beside wait, you mean though. wait you mean adults there's a time and where the brain becomes like neuroplasticity comes in and then yeah, the, well, you know you become who you are at a certain age is that you, what you're telling me i don't me? think you're ever completely locked in right because, and a lot of evidence says that you're never completely locked in anymore but yeah we'll tell you you're certainly more locked in as you age than you were what, when you were what, the pineal your was it the pineal gland have you ever taught have you ever have you ever yeah. taught the the whole bullshit about the pineal gland and being able to make that more malleable through like chanting and shit have you read into that it is I'm, hilarious. I'm sorry. Quiet for a second. I'm, I'm oh, in, um, in, that's what... <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know that probably sounded pretty good there. Yeah, you know, there's a nice. Get hooked on American Idol pretty quickly. <laughs> but I, it, my my whole point is there's this emotional cascade that occurs, and it ends up spilling out into every part of our society. And and what we're doing today with this kind of podcast, we're putting our uh, intellectual property. Our, our our intelligence in terms of our viewpoint of the world out into space is what everybody does. Yeah, that's but true. But the question becomes not what they're saying, but how they're saying it. Because a lot of people that have direction and emotion and passion, I, I sometimes I look at that and I go, oh man, I wish I could still be passionate about this, that, or the other thing. But then I go, but you've got to be able to back that up with data. You've got to be able yeah. to back it up with some kind of logic. And I think people jump over that. And back to your point, what, when there's, when there's all these disparities to see, but your life and my life as average people mm-hmm. in the United States today is incredibly better than it was. Oh, light years it, it, before. But, uh, but I mean, why? like light years better. Maybe our job is to try to point that out. Well, I well, he, he, and, and what's interesting is you bring up you bring up the complaint, and I, I think that 
what's interesting in society from what I've witnessed is there's been a real shift in understanding of terminology um, in certain areas. And I think one of those shifts that people don't necessarily understand because they've never thought about it is the shift between, you know, the differences of criticism and complaining. Um, criticism is needed to become better at something. We, we need to crit- critique and to criticize in order to become better versions of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Complaining is just screaming into the void. Mm-hmm. And whereas there's necessarily nothing inherently wrong about that, it relieves stress and you can get a point across if you're discussing someone that you tr- with someone that you trust and yada, yada, yada. The, the, the real issue I see is there's, there's been a reserved apprehension that is growing more so into an outward apprehension at criticism at um questioning at you know wondering at something and the and 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 this is why i would suggest that we're kind of going back into a resurgence of romanticism because romanticism was like at least as far as my very limited view of it was oh yeah war and glory and you know having a purpose and a cause but not really exploring what the purpose and the cause was i mean during that time they would they they were talking about how war was almost the pinnacle of humanity and now See, what you're saying, though, and I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt, but, but what you're saying, though, harkens back to what I said a few minutes ago. Mm-hmm. There's something missing, right? Well, I, and you I, know I, what the yeah. romantics of the world had? They had something that filled that void, and it was a belief. Well, it was a cause. Cause is something that's typically bigger than yourself, right? It's well, not a cause unless it's bigger than yourself. Yeah, but it was also a, a complete and total um, disregard for enlightenment logic and in traditional enlightenment ideals so what you're saying is it pendulums both ways yes so so no logic in well an emotional response well but you look at you look at anarchy there's there's there can be purpose in nothing i mean that's the that, that's why i mean you look at and i'm not saying that atheism pries into that but it does to some degree there can be purpose in nothing um and and i'm not to not to say that it's good or bad because you know people have their views and they're there we live in a country where thank thankfully uh, we can hold what we hold um, as views and, and and live happy lives and pursue happiness in doing it. But you know the the for now. <laughs> um, but the the real you know premise that I think should be addressed in this is not necessarily answering the the purpose that people are looking for because that is something that is intrinsic to each person. Mm-hmm. Your purpose is not complicated. Your purpose does not have to be something that is uh, outrageously ethereal. Most things aren't, and it's like with movies. Like, or a good example for me is like when people when you watch a movie and they glorify, they 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 overly overtly glorify and then almost create a hyperbole of what a relationship is, right? So like you you watch the the rom coms and it's always some some you know uh, woman who's looking for the perfect man and some guy who needs to get his shit together and then there's some hilarious things that happen and the woman realizes that she needs to understand the man better and the guy so realizes the he needs to be like a man that, though, is, did it make and, you feel better or not? well yeah but i think that well but my point is it's people don't think deeply enough about that they they well, watch the movie they don't have to well, exactly but they watch the movie and they come away thinking by a, as a proxy that that's what relationships are like when in reality of that who a lot of people therein lies the problem uh, yeah and that's and that's the issue is it's these things are for entertainment and you know when it comes to purpose i think purpose is an intrinsic self introspective analysis of what you deem to be valuable to yourself mm-hmm. i mean it's like when people tell you, and I don't have kids, but it's like when people tell you you understand when you have kids. I get what they're getting at there, 
because there's truth in there. There's a chemical change in your brain when you have a, a child. With that being said, your pur- your purpose in part becomes your child just from a biological perspective. The ethereal purpose that people are missing when it comes to theology or when it comes to why am I here? That's something else entirely. And you see a lot of, at least, you know, in my experience, you see a lot of people trying to fill that void with family. And then when something happens, they're devastated and they become antithetical mm-hmm. to family. Right. And I feel like that's happened a lot within our gen, at least my generation in which there's been such a high level of single parenthood that people are antithetical to the idea of, you know, classical nu- nuclear fam- family as a premise. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess the purpose of a podcast like this would be really to explore from a thoughtful Mm -hmm. philosophical sometimes political perspective of why things are important and not so much in prodding people and not so much in telling people what their purpose is but prodding them towards trying to find it yeah i i don't think that uh anyone can tell another what their true purpose is i think that people that go around pontificating about these grand, um, valuable, large, overriding, world-changing things in trying to inculcate those into others, forcing them to be part of this crowd-sourced, virtuous life is... uh, frankly nonsensical to me Mm -hmm. i think your purpose is something you you may never reach it it might be just part of your life path i don't know there's a lot of philosophy to get there but i think you in my opinion you hit on the key Mm. you really did well i i really and what i mean by that is people out there today can listen and learn about a million different things yeah there's a university at your fingertips, on your computer, on your handheld, whatever you wanted. You can get, you can be entertained, you can laugh, you can cry, you can learn, you can do all these sorts of things. And most of what touches people is what hits them emotionally. So I, I, when I look at what we should be trying to do as the wolf and the bull is to be able to humorously, kinetically philosophically connect with people to elicit some emotion sir that's part of it part of it but but the goal in my mind would be get to be to have people think one layer deeper mm. that's all it takes because half the time people just go out and they throw their emotions out into the world and if they really looked at it they wouldn't even know why they're doing it well it's like it well it's like with anything i mean if you talk with someone who struggles with you know um depression or with anger you know the advice that they're normally given by someone who's a therapist is you know take a breath and think about it mm-hmm. um and that's that's i mean even even in in and obviously i'm not in the military but from my understanding of watching so many military movies and having <laughs> so many military friends and just being in the general vicinity of camp pendleton in this area um it's always better to clear your mind and i think that's really where there's a lot of lacking in our, especially in context in our society is there's no encouragement from our culture to take a breath, mm-hmm. analyze, determine your understanding and the level of understanding that you have. Cause there's, 
there's t differences there. I mean, I can understand how a car operates, but my level of understanding is not going to be the same as a mechanic. Mm -hmm. So uh, at a certain point in time, you need to find other resources. Um, and then from that point, you know, as, after you've determined those things, determine the importance and then consult someone else. And I don't think that there's much of that going on. I think it's more of a experience, react, consult someone yeah, else, generate first, ask questions later kind of world we live. Oh, in. I wouldn't even say shoot. They don't even know how to load the gun. Yeah, it, yeah it's, exactly. it's it's throw the bullets. Yeah, throw the bullets <laughs> or just start beating the shit out of everyone. And and well, yeah, I think part of that whole uh, discussion you're talking about though goes back to a, a word you used a little bit earlier, and you, and you talked about criticize. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the base of that word is critic, mm -hmm. right? And, or critical, I should say. Yep. And I, I think one of the things that we're talking about here is taking a moment just to be a little more critical in the way you're thinking. I don't mean critical in terms of looking at everybody sideways and being critical of well, them. Well, that's just, that's, that's judgment. That's, yeah, that's judgment. You're a good point. But I'm talking about being more critical with yourself. I, you know, I, as you well know, I talk to my wife constantly about the lack of filter between brain and mouth yeah and and oftentimes i'm envious of someone's ability to just free flow like that mm -hmm. it's it's entirely endearing but it also can get you in a lot of trouble and again taking a breath does a world of good well and that's and that's i think something that you know if 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 people were able to process or I wouldn't even say that because I, th I would like to think that most people are born with at least triple digit IQs. I'd like to think at a minimum. I could be wrong. Um, <laughs> I very well could be. Um, but yeah, I'd like to think that if people were given... The bulls of the world have much higher IQs. Sure. Like quadruple. <laughs> <laughs> we're in the thousands. Um, but I'd like to think that people, if they were encouraged to take time to think about something and not in the sense of how do I feel about this, but in the sense of what's the important of importance of this. I feel like there would be, I would think there would be a better effect on society because then people start to reprioritize things. They start to understand, okay, Hey, this guy cut me off in his car. Yeah. He's driving a Mustang or a BMW and never uses his, his turn signals or blinkers. Cause that's indicative of driving a BMW. I oh, know I hey, used to hey, do it myself. Hey. I used to do it myself. Um, I've got one of those. I know. I and that's my turn signal or the car yells. At yeah, me. Exactly. There's a reason why they do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, like it, I feel like if people were to understand the, the priorities of, existence and those things being um you know thought um reason uh, analysis uh, patience um true virtue because there's there's a, a very popular fad of false virtue that's going around um true optimism because there's also a very popular fad of false optimism going around and and aspiring to something greater than yourself i really think that society as we were discussing a second ago will reach that singularity of being able to start harnessing the powers of technology in an ethical and intelligent way, as opposed Ooh, to you just were the, use the word ethical in terms of future technology, and I think that's that's a well, subject here, for an entirely well, here's the thing. new podcast. Here's and that's true. Here's the thing, though, and I would I wouldn't you know suggest that ethics is outside of the bounds of technology. I don't think it is. I think the problem is people choose to involve empathy into ethics. And 
there's there's it's impossible you can't do it if you conflate the two you are you are manipulating the system so i think one of the biggest challenges in the world is the conflation between empathy and sympathy Sympathy. Mm -hmm. because they're two entirely different things you cannot empathize with someone unless you've walked in their shoes yeah you can sympathize with them but you can't empathize with them and this whole this whole discussion around today uh the empathetic person that does this or the empathetic leadership that we have saying or doing this they're not empathetic unless they've gone through Mm -hmm. what you've gone through Mm -hmm. and that's that goes back to the very first point you made Mm -hmm. you can't understand the difference between you and someone of of lesser wealth and you and someone of greater much greater Mm -hmm. wealth you can't understand the dynamics yeah all you can see for is from your point of view the differences yeah and I think that's a bad supposition to start your premise with. I think the supposition should always be comparative because mm-hmm. there's no other way to live life except through comparison. But the comparative should be you against your expectation. Yeah. I mean, that, that makes the most sense. Well, it's, it's also the thing that you can control. So when it, and especially when it comes to empathy, I think that's another example of what I was talking about earlier when it comes to the shifting of, of definitions of words. Um, you can see it constantly throughout pop culture i mean these these terms and term uh, these terminologies and and ideas that we have that used to mean something 40 years ago that shift and then this blatant assumption that words always change that is true from a linguistic standpoint but it is also simultaneously true from a linguistic standpoint that there is always a original callback meaning to what the word is problem to me isn't the change of definition the problem is that once you've changed the definition you can't apply the new definition to the old time period where the Mm -hmm. old definition yeah, sure, sure. That's but, what's missing there. But, but at the same time, you also simultaneously can't apply the new definition of something completely different from the old definition as if it is the same thing. Depends Which, on if the de- definition is completely abstract from the original yeah. or if it's an evolution. Well, well as if, uh, we were talking about earlier, like a phase transition, which I think is actually okay. a conscious effort in a ne- negative net, like a, ne- uh, a net negative on society's part in trying to manipulate the way people think about things. Like if I'm sympathetic towards you, it's now seen as petty as opposed to if I'm empathetic towards you, it's now seen as virtuous. So the question I have for you is do you think most people that are bringing up these types of subjects are doing them intentionally for manipulative reasons? Or do you think it's because they're trying to get you to understand their position, not understand it, but agree with their position? And the, the 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 goal of getting you to agree is more important than the way they get you there. I would answer that question with a totally out of left field um, analysis in that, and it's kind of a question, is you have to, well, I'll just answer it with a question. Do you think from that standpoint that intelligentsia experiences higher levels of entropy than traditional science, uh, society or not? higher levels Mm -hmm. you mean that if there's a if there's a dividing line between those of intelligentsia Mm -hmm. and those without it Mm -hmm. see i I don't agree that there's a dividing line i don't think that's a phase transition i think that's a a uh it's malleable so i I guess that's a a gauge that's a well i guess i guess i probably should phrase that better is um the point i'm getting at is i see society as either being in entropy 
or being in fighting against entropy. There is no middle ground. It's either for or against. And what I mean by that is I don't think it's a conscious effort all the time for people in the intelligentsia area to understand the power of words because words, not in a mystical sense. Mystical sense is total bullshit in my opinion. <laughs> um, but in a sense that they do, they do frame perspective. I think that not every instance is a forced decision but I do think from an entropy perspective, if you stop trying to understand what the initial premise of the word is, that it will fade with time anyway, or it'll change over time. I mean, you, a prime example is, you know, the F word. Oh, yeah. The F word's original. Under consent of the king. Exactly. Yeah. And, but I think you're, I think you're hitting on a, a very interesting subject because, I mean, how many times have you thought about a saying, an old mm -hmm. saying, and you're like, where did that come from? Mm -hmm. And now even last you names. Can look it up, or last names. Yeah. Last names is a great example. And, and usually the last name was describing a, uh, a family um, entomology, mm -hmm. or it was, it was describing a, uh, um, something someone did, yeah. right? And those were the two main constructs. But we're going off the beaten path here, but mm -hmm. I, I think that you're hitting on a very interesting subject because things do change over the time and they fade over time and, mm -hmm. and our existence changes over time. And I think reflecting on history has a value to educate, but it only has a value to educate within the, in the context of understanding the terms and, and things at the time that we're going on mm -hmm. in context. Yeah. And I think one of the biggest problems we have today is because there's this this emotional baggage that everybody wants to throw out into the world that they can be angry about things in the past. Mm -hmm. Things in the past that those people thought were normal things. Mm -hmm. The problem with that idea is that the future is coming. Mm -hmm. And the future is going to view what we do today that you and I think is righteous and emotionally in the right direction for our society. Somebody is going to view that as the wrong thing in the future. Yeah, but I think the question is uh, not the somebody the question is how many of the somebody because you know if we're as as you know in regard to entropy if we're going to discuss the degrade of society or the degrade of words or the shifting of words be it through purpose or otherwise um we also have to acknowledge that it's only of significant danger per se for lack of a better word mm -hmm. if a lot of people start believing the same thing all at once and that's where the danger lies with, you know, within not thinking about something and taking the time to analyze it. Because if you jump on the bandwagon, you don't understand what's, what the purpose is. You don't understand what the end goal is. Then all you're doing is just, you know, you're rowing an oar for the sake of rowing an oar without understanding where you're going. Mm -hmm. And I guess that can, there can be virtue found in that. But if you, I mean, I always like to think I, you know, I'd like to know where I'm going to end up. So, I, I don't know. I think the, the real point of our po the podcast, and we can actually, I mean, if you want to do a, a formal episode, because um, there was a whole lot of nonsense in the beginning, yeah. um, we could do that. Um, and I think the discussion of you know entropy and something like that would be a good discussion in the beginning. Well, I think we hit on six, seven really good subjects that mm -hmm. would take us a lot of different, very interesting places, and they're yeah. all worthy of discussion. Sure. I really do. Uh, and I... And I think that the the overall, I, I think through several podcasts, mm -hmm. we'll kind of discover our key touch points. Yeah. Because we'll, I, I know me well enough to know that I'll keep coming back to the same kind of 
kind of things over and over again. Mm. Because there are things that are debilitating out there for our society as a whole. Yeah. But they're only debilitating for the society as a whole because they're debilitating for the individual. See, a lot of people believe that you got to look at society as the whole first and that we're all components of that society. And if you get far away from everything, far away from things enough, mm-hmm. then that's the view you have. It's like the people that are looking at the earth from the moon. Well, from, the Western, just, from the Western perspective, from yeah. The West, but, but to me, it all starts with the individual. That mm-hmm. doesn't mean the whole world revolves around me. That's not what I'm trying to say. No. What I'm trying to say is you got to get right first yourself. Sure. Whatever the discussions we have, if you involve yourself in a further understanding of your perspective and the legitimacy of others' perspective, then you can build on that and you can see society mm-hmm. as a construct around that. Yeah. It's a, it's a large well, overriding factor. Well, and in that, in, in, in that, back to my point on entropy, that inadvertently fights against that, right? Because you're moving. I mean, if you're never doing anything in relation to your own responsibilities or acknowledging your own stat, status, stat, <laughs> your stat level, <laughs> acknowledging your own status within your community and the responsibilities and civic duties that you have, then you're inadvertently, um, you're participating actively and intentionally in entropy, meaning you're just not... You're rating the whole thing. Exactly. And I think that's something that's occurring at very rapid pace. But um, you said intentionally. Do you really think that? 100%. Yes. Really? And the reason I say that is because if, if you're doing any... It's like, it's like it, the, of not voting is, is a vote. Right. So if you if you if you take a position on something or you take a position for or against something, not taking a position on that thing is taking a position. Correct. And it, when it comes to intentional, I don't mean malicious. I just mean general apathy. Mm-hmm. And I think apathy is a huge. I think that's probably a better word. Because um, this... yes and no. Um, I would say that apathy is a good descriptor of, you know, understanding what the problem is. But entropy is the end result think of apathy. About what apathy really means, though, because apathy the idea of really not caring Mm -hmm. about whatever the subject we're talking about is comes from inside 100 it comes from how that subject whatever it is is not important to you as an individual which goes back to what i said a minute ago Mm -hmm. if you get yourself right if you start understanding what you're about you'll start to see the importance of these other things Mm -hmm. if not for yourself for the idea of you fitting into a larger society you can't jump over that point. And that's what I'm saying. People try to jump over that all the time and try to say, well, we're part of this whole. Yeah. We're part of this gang. We're part well, of this and societal movement, whatever yeah. it is. No, you're not unless you get it right yourself. Hey there, you made it. Thanks so much for spending some time with The Wolf and Bull. As stated earlier, we can't wait to provide you with more content. If you like what you hear, feel free to leave us a like, give us a follow, and keep an eye out for more from The Wolf and Bull.